0: Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we have conversations with ordinary people to learn how our extraordinary God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited you've joined us. I am thrilled to have David King return to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview. In our last weekly interview episode, David shared his conversion story, and we talked about the grace of God in his life, particularly through his teen years when he strayed from the Lord and how the Lord graciously brought David back to himself, that is, to the Lord. So we wanted to pick back up with that story for a little bit in this episode, because he was on the verge of telling us, when we ran out of time, about the story of his call to vocational ministry. And once he shared that part of the story, then we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about a particular area of what I consider to be David's expertise. So, David, welcome back to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview. Good to have you back.
1: Thanks for having me back, Brett.
0: All right, so I've already set the table for you. Let's go ahead and pick up where we left off last time. You've had me interested, and I'm sure our listeners as well, that you've got this great story to tell about your call to vocational ministry. So tell us that story.
1: Oh, man, I set the bar too high. I didn't (laughs) mean to do that. No, it was a very meaningful experience, though, what I would call a call to ministry. I was driving down this little two-lane road through the woods here in Chattanooga. This was many years ago, I think probably around 1988. And I was doing something that I never do. I was listening to a preacher on the radio. And the preacher was preaching from Jeremiah, chapter one, called Jeremiah to be a prophet. And it was just one of those sermons where you're so dialed in, you mm-hmm. really feel like the Spirit is talking to you. Like This sermon was for me personally. That's how it felt. And that was a rare experience for me. And... I realized in the course of hearing that sermon that the excuses Jeremiah was giving the Lord, I'm too young, I don't know what I would say, were things that I was feeling, as if God was calling me in some way Mm. to speak His Word. I was saying to the Lord, I'm too young, and I don't know what I would say. And yet by the end of that sermon, I had gotten home at this point and turned on that, that radio station in my bedroom. So I was finishing out the sermon in my room by the end of that sermon I was on my knees by my bed and saying okay lord I I am too young and I don't know what I would say but if this is what you want me to do mm. then I'll do it and you know after that you know I sought counsel from my parents and our pastor at the time and just started walking down that road towards vocational ministry
0: That's a wonderful story so so what to me is significant of that is the power of the Word of God and how one yeah. message can change your life
1: yeah, that's exactly right and the spirit always works through the word that's sure. how God has designed it to work but you know there's just those you know somewhat rare occasions where I wish they were more frequent, but you just feel like that message is for you and I don't know how to describe what that is, but you know most Christians who are listening to this will understand what I mean because they they've heard that sermon where they felt like the spirit had his finger on their heart personally. And that's how that sermon was for me.
0: So I, I hear you saying there was this Jeremiah one sermon and it just, it was, it was geared for you that day.
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of growing to do and a lot of formation needed to happen, but uh, that, that was definitely a mile marker, a turning point, whatever you want to call it. That was from the Lord.
0: Thank you for sharing that, David. Let's go ahead and make this shift in, in the, the conversation at this point, to talk about how to discover Christ or encounter Christ in the Old Testament. You have published a book with Moody. Am I correct in that? Moody Publishers, what, a year or so ago? Uh, yeah, two years ago. Two years ago. Okay, you published the book. Great title. Your Old Testament Sermon Needs to Get Saved. <laughs> it made me laugh when I first yeah. saw it. And you Good. yeah, and I just let, need to let let our listeners know how humble this man is. I had a phone conversation with you, and I, it's been a couple years ago, and I remember this whole the whole conversation, I don't remember you know what all we said, I just remember we updated It was it kind of a catching up with each other update thing, and you never said a word about publishing this book, and I, find out, I found out shortly after that you had written and just recently published this book. And you didn't even tell me about it. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. If I were in his shoes, that'd have been the first thing I would have told him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's funny.
0: But I appreciate your humility. Great book for pastors. So if you uh, have a pastor and, and want to help him know how to preach Christ from the Old Testament, this is, a, this is a great tool for that. But for our listeners' sake, let's not talk about preaching Christ from the Old Testament. Let's talk about how to encounter Christ, how to see Christ in the Old Testament. David, I want to just kind of hand the microphone to you.
1: Yeah. So this is easily transferable from pastors and teachers to just people who are Christians reading their Bible and who love Jesus. You know, when we come to the Old Testament, if we even come to it at all, because we have a tendency to skip it, except for, you know, Proverbs and Psalms, (laughs) if we come to the Old Testament at all, you know, it can be challenging. I mean, we're so removed culturally and historically from so many things that happen there. Um, You've got different covenants that are in operation, and, you know, we're sitting here on the other side of the cross and resurrection, and things look a lot clearer to us in the New Testament. But uh, one of the things that's been so encouraging to me is to realize, for example, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy saying that all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable. And what scripture is he talking about? Well, largely he's talking about what we call the Old Testament. And here he is telling Timothy that the Old Testament is profitable for our Christian lives. In fact, one verse before the one that I just referenced, he says that the sacred writings, speaking again of what we call the Old Testament, the sacred writings are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And likes just come on for me when I read stuff like that in the New Testament about the Old Testament. like, oh my goodness, right. the Old Testament, it's Christian scripture. Yes. You know, it. it started as Jewish scripture, but it was all pointing to fulfillment in Jesus. And now that Jesus has come, we see the whole thing in the light of Christ and it's Christian scripture. And if we understand it the right way, it's profitable to make us thoroughly complete for every good work. So that's just fired me up about not just preaching the Old Testament, but just receiving the Old Testament myself as a Christian man and knowing that, you know, every part of the Bible, not just the last third, the New Testament, but every part of the Bible. It's given to me by God to benefit my growth in Jesus Christ. And that's true for all of us as Christians. So that put yeah, me the, on a journey. That, Go ahead. Yeah, that, jump in.
0: That's so exciting to hear, it, especially when, you know, we're hearing some things from some teachers, you know, I think one of the most popular Bible teachers in America right now said we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. Right. And I am huge about teaching our people the new covenant and helping them see that they are not under the law. Right. At the same time, for all the reasons you described, the Old Testament is still very much part of our Bibles and it needs to be read, needs to be studied. We need to meditate on that. So how, how do we go about reading the Old Testament and avoiding legalism and thinking it's feeling like it's irrelevant because, you know, it doesn't have the name J-E-S-U-S spelled out in it. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so yeah, how, how, what would you say to the person who's learning to read their Bible about how to go about seeing the Old Testament as Christian scripture?
1: Yeah, so I kind of hear a couple different questions than what you just asked. And,
0: yeah, forgive me for David, making it so much more complex. I guess really what I'm going for no, is just the simple no, question of show me how to do it, David. Show me how to read the Old Testament in a Christian way where I see Jesus.
1: Well, I still want to answer like one of those questions that I heard within that big question, and because I think it's so important. Like yeah. you, you mentioned, legalism. You know, that the only way to avoid legalism is to always read the Bible, Old and New Testament. Always read the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is recognizing that Christ has accomplished for us the fulfillment of all that God has required. You and I have failed. You know, we've all sinned. We Mm -hmm. fall short of the glory of God. Jesus Christ has succeeded perfectly in righteousness and obedience. And he's died for our sins and risen from the dead. You know, it's by grace that we're saved through faith, not by works. And so we have to keep our gospel glasses on, so to speak, when we read the Bible, not just the Old Testament, but the New Testament, too. We've got to keep the gospel glasses on so that we don't you know, fall back into this, this, this subtle temptation of like, working our way into acceptance with God. Now, we are accepted by God in Christ. We are loved by Him. We are clean and pure before Him. He has said so. And so it's out of that place of grace that we learn obedience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, that's how we avoid legalism.
0: I love that so, metaphor that you've given, uh, the gospel glasses, seeing through gospel glasses, especially, I think that's an appropriate metaphor in light of Luke chapter 24 and how these disciples on the road to Emmaus yep. with Jesus, were, they, they were, they were yep. blinded, their eyes could not see it.
1: Yeah, that's right. So I know you've been to like a sports store or something. I've got those racks of sunglasses and usually there's some fun ones there, like the blue lenses or red lenses or yellow lenses, as well as, you know, the typical dark sunglass lens. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can put on a pair of sunglasses and it colors everything that you see. And that's how the gospel is meant to function as we look at scripture. It's meant to color everything we see. So that we're looking at it all now in light of Jesus Christ.
0: Mm, That's really good. So
1: how do we do that, though? I mean, practically, how does this work, especially in the Old Testament? I'm just going to run through six ways, if that's okay with you, Brett. Absolutely. Six ways, you know, that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. You know, one way is through promises. And this is the way that I think even baby Christians kind of have a sense for this. Um, as you're reading along in the Old Testament, you're going to come across redemptive promises, or prophetic promises, or sometimes they're called messianic promises or prophecies, um, where you're you're realizing in that text, oh my goodness, this is pointing forward towards something else, something that God is going to fulfill in a person, and uh, we know that that person is Jesus. You know, one of the first examples that you would see in the Bible is Genesis 3.15, Mm -hmm. uh, where God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. You know, that's that's a promise that God is making to bring about redemption. You know, Satan is going to strike at whoever this offspring of woman is, but this offspring of woman is going to crush his head. Well, who is this? We don't know yet in Genesis, but it it causes us to lift up our eyes to the horizon of salvation and anticipate that God is going to fulfill this promise. Of course, that comes to pass in Jesus. And on the cross, you know, Satan strikes at him, but in his resurrection, he crushes Satan's head and, you know, praise God for Jesus. Um, That that promise has come to pass in the gospel. Mm -hmm. And there's hundreds literally of these messianic promises and prophecies in the old testament and Jesus is the yes to every one of those that they were pointing to Christ in his work in his cross and resurrection
0: for us that's exactly the scripture i was thinking of was second corinthians chapter 1 i believe it's verse 20 that all the promises of yes. god are yes and amen in christ
1: yeah so That's one way that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. He fulfills all of those redemptive promises and prophecies. A second way is through shadows. And there's, you know, a theological term for this called typology. We don't have to talk about that. I think we can just talk about shadows. And that's the way the Apostle Paul talks about it in Colossians 2.17. You know, after mentioning several things like special days and the dietary laws and that sort of thing, he says these are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. What this means is that God designed certain persons and events and institutions in the Old Testament to be a shadow whose substance was going to be Christ. In other words, God imprinted certain things in the Old Testament to give us an advanced, shadowy picture of what Jesus was going to be like when he came into the world. So you could probably mention several shadows off the top of your head, because you're a pastor. Can you think of any?
0: Well, the Sabbath.
1: Yeah, the Sabbath is one special day. So here's an Old Testament institution called the Sabbath that Colossians 2.17 says is a shadow, and the substance is Christ. So we understand that the rest under the Old Covenant that the Sabbath provided was a shadow that was pointing forward to Jesus. And now that Jesus has come, he— is our Sabbath rest, and He is bringing us into the fullness of His rest that He accomplished for us.
0: Which is one of the subpoints so that, in the Book of Hebrews is this subject of the Sabbath and the completion of the Sabbath in Christ. It was a, it was a shadow of the substance of Christ.
1: Yeah, I mean, another one just to help help your listeners kind of get a handle on this one is the temple, the tabernacle, mm-hmm. and the temple were shadows. And Jesus is the substance. You know, God was dwelling with his people under the Old Covenant in the tabernacle and the temple. But now that Christ has come, he has made his dwelling among us. Or you remember what Jesus said, I think it was to the religious leaders, tear down this temple and in three days I will raise it up. You know, what Jesus was going to accomplish in his death and resurrection was going to make him the permanent dwelling place of God. He is our temple, our tabernacle, our place in which we have communion with the Father, and the Old Testament tabernacle and temple were shadows pointing forward to what we now have in the person of Jesus.
0: And then when Christ comes to live within us, the New Testament says, we now are the temple.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. When we're united to Jesus, you know, everything about who Jesus is, we are brought into that and built up in it, and yeah, we are the new dwelling place of God in this world. Not a place, but a people. And the Old Testament has tons of other shadows, like circumcision, the dietary laws, Melchizedek, Moses, David, Solomon, Jonah, Israel. The priesthood was a shadow that Jesus has fulfilled on and on we could go. These are are ways that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament.
0: Okay, so David, I'm going to interrupt you at this point and ask you to come back for a third episode. We're out of t- time, unfortunately, and I don't want to miss out on the other four ways in which we can encounter Christ in the Old Testament. Is that okay?
1: That's great. I'll try to be briefer as we move forward.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. We'll, I'm going to give you a full episode to finish those four out. So we'll re- we'll review it. We're going to come back for part three with, with David King. And so tune in next, uh, should be next week. So David, thanks again. Look forward to having you back and uh, we'll continue this conversation. My pleasure, Brad. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville and is copyrighted by Brett Amarani, 2023.